You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For everything Buccaneers, it, 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 it's Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. Now, now, here's your hosts, Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. Ahoy, Bucks fans. Welcome to another episode, a new episode of Jolly Rogers and Touchdown. You don't want to miss this. I know there's college football this week, so you're not exactly feeling that fever of no football going on, but there's no Bucks football this week. So we are bringing you all the entertainment, insight, information that you need to know with another edition of the Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. Be sure to stay tuned with us because starting September 12th, we will be moving to those three lovely episodes a week of keeping you guys up to date on all things Bucks. It'll be on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. First thing in the morning on your drive-in, you can catch the newest episode of Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. I am one of your excited hosts, Casey Hudson. Always, always joined with me by the lovely Kaylee Mizell. And today we have that guest that we promised you guys, a legend. But not only is he a legend, his last name starts... Similar to legend, the infamous <laughs> John Ledyard back with his podcast hat on. I don't know who to say hi to first, guys. Just give give the fans a big hello. Hello to you, to the fans, to John. Thanks so much for being here, John. Absolutely. Thank you both for having me. This is really a pleasure. When I heard you guys were doing this podcast, I was so excited. And I texted Kay Huddy and Kaylee, I followed you. And I was like, I got to listen to this pod. And I my job takes me out of the loop kind of for a little while until this past week and i've kind of been able to get back on the grid a little bit and listen to y'all and it's clear that you love this team you're passionate about this team and that's exciting and i think any fan who knows that is listening kind of knows that but it's just been it's been so exciting for me to think about being on this podcast with both of you and seeing where you're going to take this thing and being able to jump on one of the earlier ones i think is is (laughs) something we'll all look back on and smile about someday yeah, well, John, I can't wait I'm for that. Ex- yeah, and I'm excited to pick your brain because mm-hmm. we bring a lot of excitement and energy and you bring a lot of analysis. And I know that fans are really, really missing that analysis. And so we are oh, going yeah. to do a deep dive into the Bucks roster today. We're going to talk about some surprise cuts, who made the roster, and you know, how strong this Bucks team really is. Casey, I think that we should start off with the actual 53-man roster and what it shook out to be. So they had to cut from 80 down to 53, and there were some question marks in there, at least by, uh, I know, our producer um, and some (laughs) other Bucks fans. Uh, I'm interested, John, to start with you. What was the biggest surprise in the Bucks cut? I guess if you're going to, once you understood the loophole involved with cutting Logan Ryan, why that had to take place, which makes complete sense. 
that was kind of more semantics. I think the one that most people were surprised by was Tyler Johnson. And it's funny because a year ago, we probably would not have been that surprised by Tyler Johnson. Being cut, <laughs> not I. Except, that the, except that the rest of the competition at wideout didn't really step up that much either outside of you know the top three guys last year. And this year, it seemed like Tyler Johnson had stepped up and he was playing better. And then he got cut and Scotty Miller got kept and Scotty Miller had been the one that struggled. And I know Casey, I don't know if, if you were happy or sad about that at this point, but I do think everybody was, was a little surprised. Yeah, you're happy. I know you're happy. Um, everyone was a little surprised though. And I was surprised. I, I wasn't that surprised Tyler Johnson got cut. I was surprised Scotty Miller stayed. I would thought it would have been if they were going to keep one or the other, depending on how many receivers they were going to keep, I just didn't think Scotty had done anything to earn his spot this offseason. Where last offseason, he was pretty good. He was coming off a good season, obviously. And so it felt like last offseason, he was like a lock going into the into, into training camp. This offseason, I thought he was going to be on the outside looking in. And then he, the way he played, it felt like he was looking in. And then I think when Scotty was – but I think what they saw when it, with Scotty eventually was – Here's a guy that can play outside and he can play special teams. And although he doesn't do everything well, his trump card is speed and he can use that. And that can be an asset to us. If Mike Evans gets hurt, he can play that position, that outside receiver position. A lot of people, even the broadcast I listened to the other day, they were playing the Titans in the preseason game and they compared him to Cal Phillips, who is a wide receiver for the Titans who plays only in the slot. And they think that Scotty Miller is a slot. And the announcer was like, he does a lot of things really similar to Scotty Miller. And I'm like, Cal Phillips no. <laughs> is going to average like eight yards per catch his whole career. And Scotty Miller's <laughs> averaged like 17. And so he is a deep threat. He is an outside receiver. He's not as good inside. There are definitely some limitations, especially as a blocker in this scheme. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that he clearly has a role is better than a Tyler Johnson who, what does he do really well? He can't play outside. He struggles to get off press coverage. He's not a great athlete. Although he does make great plays on the ball at times, there's also a ton of drops you have to deal with with him. And it just felt like he wasn't improving enough in those areas. Although there were still some highlight row catches at times, just like in college, the down to the play to play consistency wasn't improving for him. And I felt like they just, they could not overlook that when it came to his value to the roster, the special teams thing matters, but I don't think it mattered as much as Todd Bowles is probably letting on at the end of the, he wasn't as good at playing wide receiver. And I'm glad you mentioned the special teams thing. Cause I actually had a question because, well, you already know this. I mean, Tyler Johnson was on, the bottom of my list for the longest time and then heading into training camp I'm like get rid of this guy already and then training camp happens and I'm like oh crap Casey you kind of have to take an L on everything you've said about this kid just about and then this happens but my theory for Scotty Miller living to see another day in a Bucks uniform was the fact that there's no other receiver like him in that pack unless you go to the rookies so everyone else has kind of the same build the same frame in my perspective. So I feel like Scotty Miller also gives them a difference. Yes. in skill sets, but you know, him not being the same six foot something or other guy. So I didn't, I didn't really hold it only to special teams. I just held it to like, if he rises to the occasion, his skill set, his ability and where they can pop him around. And I feel like Tom Brady always likes just having that one, you know, that one guy that's like five, nine and 180 pounds on his side to do things for him. He mm, definitely yeah. does. I think that's a really good point. Casey. Something else I was thinking about when we when we think about this is something we, we talked a little bit about on the pod last time, and I'm interested to get both of your guys' perspective. But it's the fact that there is a little bit of a knowingness there between Scotty and Tom, who's 
obviously QB1. Um, and so I, I, I think having that familiarity, I, I think that's something that Tom really values as a quarterback. It's something that we've seen throughout his career that there are these key people that he goes to, that he trusts. And at times it seemed like Tyler Johnson was that he had more chemistry, I guess, with the other quarterbacks that weren't Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that made, it didn't make me question his ability, but it did make me question how that dynamic was going to play out on the field is Tyler Johnson, the receiver for Tom Brady. And that matters. It matters if two guys are going to mesh together. And I don't, and I, I wonder how much do you think that also played into this situation? Well, coming back and dropping Tom Brady's first pass is not the cutest thing to do when you're trying to make a name for yourself, especially when people already think that you lack consistency and then the bullet comes back and, and you can't really manage, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard well, because the whole also, thing, yeah. Brady was He's gone also made some Brady. of the most important catches in Brady's time in Tampa Bay. You know, that's what makes it so funny. And even in Saints that game, game in right? that preseason game, but the yeah, Saints game, he makes yeah. a crazy, the, the, the Super Bowl year, crazy back shoulder catch, like on, on a third down. I mean, that was just, that was a massive play. That was one of the biggest mm -hmm. plays. And that was one of his only plays in the postseason. But, you know, he makes that play that you talk about the game winning drive against the Jets last year. I know Cyril Grayson caught the game winner. But a few mm -hmm. plays before that, who got the big play to get him to cross midfield? Tyler getting them down the field. Johnson, and yeah. so there is this trend. And even in college, he would ha he would t suffer a ton of drops in college. It was like a consistent thing for him, and he played in the slot a ton in college too. So there were there were questions about his ability to get off press as an outside receiver, even going back to college. But he made so many big time catches, contested catches, and he wasn't even that big of a dude. In the NFL, though, it is just so much harder to live that way as a receiver because if you are always making contested catches, it means you have not gained separation from other players, from other defenders. It means you have not created space as a receiver. It means you have not made yourself an available target a high percentage of the time. If you watch Tyler Johnson's tape, yeah, even the, the, the shellacking at the hands of the Saints last year when the Bucs got shut out, nobody remembers this play, but I do because I'm a sicko. At the end of that game, Tom Brady threw up a ball to him and he went up and mossed a guy for it. It was a meaningless play. Bucks didn't score on the drive. Clock ran out at the end of the drive, I believe. But he makes those kind of plays. But yet the whole game, he couldn't get off coverage. So like those are the only plays he can make because he's not open enough. Because again, in the day, just not a good enough athlete and not a good enough technician, didn't have the physique and things like that to be able to get open consistently. Now he's going to Houston. He's going to play and he might produce in Houston even I mean, more than he did in Tampa Bay, obviously. And mm -hmm. Bucks fans need, just need to be careful. Like that doesn't mean that this is a guy you should have kept just because he, you look over and, Oh, he caught six passes for 60 mm -hmm. yards in Houston. Like that's better than Scotty Miller who didn't do anything this week. Well, Scotty Miller's playing behind four studs and yeah. over there, Tyler Johnson, as soon as he knows the offense could step into the starting lineup because they don't have anybody. So it's it on Bucks their division fans just need in to so see many things too. Yeah. Yeah, depending on their workload, and it could just be a whole different scenario. People just, their careers tend to take off in different areas for so many different reasons. But kind of pivoting from the shock of Scotty Miller, and for anybody that wants clarification, yes, I am happy that Scotty is still on the roster. Do I think that he earned it this training camp? No, I'm not a crazy person, but I have faith in Scotty, and Scotty I trust. So we'll see what happens down the line.
But I, I think just to say one more thing about Scotty, as yeah. a gunner, he's proven it. And I think that they take some solace in that. Yes, he's too small to do it all the time. But if mm -hmm. you needed somebody in a pinch, you are not putting Julio Jones on special teams. You are not putting Jalen Darden at gunner. You, you're risky. not doing those things. So you can't do that with your fourth and fifth wideouts. Not many teams are built that way where their fourth and fifth wideouts are really, other than Darden being a return guy, they are just straight up not special teams options. You can't put them in a game in those situations. If Scotty's active or needed to be active, you know he could do it in a pinch. He's probably not going to be active every single week. But he again, it just came down to you have to have be able to fill more roles at the bottom of the roster. At the end of the day, Scotty has just filled more roles than Tyler Johnson. If there's a gripe, mm -hmm. it's why is Brashad Perryman still here? And That's where my next question was going. <laughs> All right. So at least you at least you pivoted reader. into it anyway, because I was like, that's the next big surprise when you read of names. Well, there's three, Darden, Perriman, and mm -hmm. then Scotty Miller. So thank you for clearing that up about Scotty, though, because I know a lot of fans are like, is it really just the special teams and what's the depth behind and then the gunner questions and stuff? But on the, on note of uh, other surprises, the the Golden Knight, the, the charge on of, of my heart that failed me. Again. I was going to say, I didn't know if I was allowed to say anything negative about him on this podcast. I didn't know if you were going to. You're allowed to. We're not biased me here. Off or... <laughs> Kaylee had to listen to me harp about Kyle Trask because, well, UF doesn't breed quarterbacks and boo gators. But, um, yeah, she let me have my my glowing moment about that, and then I had to take an L the following week. So And then we I made you walk the plank because of it. So, yeah, feel free. <laughs> Tear my dreams I can't away believe from she made on. you walk the plank on Kyle Trask after he went like. Right. But to each their own, everybody has a voice here. We are for everybody <laughs> here on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns. But, you know, Brashad Perriman, I was high on him last season. You know this. Um, he he helped me look impressive for one game, and then all of a sudden it was just the ultimate decline. But is there – does you know, did he surprise you by making this roster? Do you really feel like he's going to be a contributing factor – this season um, healthy and and ready to go? I don't know. I, you know, he is such an unusual situation. Again, seven wide receivers here. That's unusual in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Scotty being kept. And again, like Perryman has played six special team snaps in his career. Like he doesn't have anything on special teams. So it just comes down to like just some unusual situations in that regard. I understand why Tyler Johnson wasn't kept. I'm not sure I understand the full rationale between why they kept Perryman and why they kept Scotty Miller. I've explained some of the Scotty stuff. I get it. I don't know if it's ideal, but I get it given what they had. Mm -hmm. I think with Perryman, we just have to look at the fact that it comes down to when he's been, when he's been healthy for this team, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he has been good. And that is what they care about. Like, yes, the health is a concern. Yes. The fact that he struggled everywhere else, basically that he's been over the last couple of years. And he's been a couple of different places has is a concern like all those things matter and should matter but at the end of the day they feel like he makes them five deep at wide out that's what they feel like they think that he makes them five deep at wide out i have no idea what todd bulls was talking about when he mentioned special teams the other day maybe he just believes perryman's uh ability to play special teams or potential to play special teams is greater than seeing tyler johnson for 130 something snaps in his career play special teams and not be good at it Maybe he believes that, that that is the difference maker there. I, I don't know. I just think it all honestly came down to offense. The Bucs are just determined to not have what happened last year happen mm -hmm. when they go get hurt at receiver. They believe it's going to happen at some point. These guys will get dinged up. And to them, after quarterback, that is the most important position on that roster. They load up on wide receivers. 
Right now, last year, they thought they had three that could play going into the year. They hoped Scotty could. They hoped Tyler Johnson could. When A.B. and Godwin and Evans at times, were not, times well, a couple times, all three of them were hurt, that just didn't happen. Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson were terrible in those situations. They did not want to go into next year with those guys as four and five. So mm-hmm. Perryman, they brought him in last year. They think he'll be even better now that he's healthy, once he gets healthy again and acclimated to the offense. Obviously, Julio Jones is better than those guys, even in his current state. So they believe now that they're five deep, better at receiver, deeper at receiver than they were last year with guys who can legitimately play. And then Scotty's got the special teams ability. And they think another year from Darden, maybe a gadget role, definitely a return guy. I think he cl- clearly just reading your reports on everything from practice and hearing the pods that he got better this offseason for sure. We got to see it with the big boys, no question. Um, but that's that's what they're that's how they view the receiver room. Do I think Perryman's that guy? As a fifth receiver, I think, yeah, he could be that guy. But, again, the fact he doesn't play special teams or hasn't at this point, uh, it does make it a little bit of an unusual fit. That'll be interesting. Were you a surprise, Kaylee? I, you know, I think that the the Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller thing was a little bit more surprising to me. And mm-hmm. then I understood. I don't know. I, I guess I kind of am going to, like, pivot into something else uh, because I think – I was hoping that there was going to be like a few more younger guys on this team that they like a guy that they would, would see hope in, but maybe needed a little bit more time to just adjust or have some mentoring. Um, But that didn't really happen. We saw them go almost across the board with the tried and true with the more veteran guys with the guys that they felt like have been there and have done that um and we saw it with the scotty miller and tyler johnson thing and i guess i'm just wondering like when i look at these guys and when i look at the choices that they made it's not that i have distrust but i'm just wondering like it seems like this team and front office really values the experience and just you, you just it's it's an older team and it's not like it's just older in terms of like football years there's not that many super young rookie like guys on this team that are gonna be the guy um every you know like from Tom Brady to Mike Evans right like it, it, it's it's a kind of across the board I'm just wondering like do you guys think that that is Am I reading into that? Is that is, is are other people seeing this as well? It seems like they just really value the veteran presence, and I don't know if that's a front office thing, if that's a Tom Brady thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't right know, now, but, it, I but think it seems they, true. I'm pretty sure they have the the average age of the team. I'm pretty sure is 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 last in the NFL, like oldest in the NFL. Let's put it that way. And They're now a lot so of that, it's, yeah, the, a lot of that is the bottom of the roster doing a lot of work, but you're exactly right. I think Kaylee, like if you look at the bottom of the roster, who do they add? John O'Neill veteran, Logan Ryan, over 30 veteran, Akeem Hicks, well over 30 veteran. Um, who are some of the other guys that they've added just in the past couple of months? They looked Shaq at the Mason. bottom of the roster, Shaq Mason, another guy who's approaching 30, I believe. So they looked at the bottom of this roster and they said, we need more experience. We need better, more proven depth. We get to the playoffs. We don't want to have to rely on guys who we don't know whether they can play or not. And whether we thought mm-hmm. Tyler Johnson would be good or not, they didn't know whether he could play or not, you know, like, and then they found out he couldn't, and it was on the biggest stage and that they don't want that to happen again. And yeah, mm-hmm. Julio Jones is another one. You know, again, all these guys that I mentioned, pretty much all of them have recent injury history. 
the story of the Bucks season is going to be whether the fact that they got older a little bit, and it wasn't like they got older, like all these guys have to start and play a ton of snaps. That's what I like about it. That's why I think it has a chance. If they were leaning on these guys to be full-time players, but Julio Jones is not going to be a full-time player. Hakeem Hicks is not going to be a full-time player. Like most of these guys will not play. Keanu Neal not going to be a full-time player. Even Logan Ryan not going to be a full-time player. Mike Edwards will be a huge factor at that position too, and they will move people around and play a bunch of different bodies. But they, if those guys can hold up physically – play their role, their snap load, whatever that is, on a, on a game-to-game basis, and stay healthy in time for the playoffs, they are a much deeper team for sure at a, most of those positions, most of the positions on their roster, than they were a year ago. Depth was a concern. This year they wanted to make sure that wasn't the case. The question mark in, in, in doing that, they kind of pulled in this question mark, which is health now moving forward because a lot of these guys have injury history. Previously to this, Jason Light had very much stayed away from anybody with an injury history. It was a big reason why he let Gerald McCoy go and he kept mm-hmm. in and he signed in Dominican Sue. Sue would never miss a game due to injury in his career, still hasn't, but that was a big reason. He felt like McCoy's health was on the way down. He was obviously right about that, unfortunately for him. And then Sue was, he felt like he was going to be a rock for their defense. He consistently has made decisions based on that. This is the first year he's gotten away from that. And it's because he's trying to go all in and pursue that championship. If they he might end up being right. It might end up being a gamble that pays off. And I think that's a key point. Sorry, Kaylee, because I love the fact that he mentioned Jason Light in the health and the health thing. But the other thing along the lines of the the veteran presence um, and depth is also the fact that every press conference and training camp this August was, you know, how does it feel to be this long in your career and not have gotten a ring yet? And to be on a team with everybody who's like-minded in a sense of, you know, they had seasons that were very close. Like I can't steer away from the fact that some people aren't big fans of Kyle Rudolph, but I just think of Kyle Rudolph and the Minnesota miracle. And the fact that he's had this carousel of quarterbacks that aren't that great. Um, You know, what can he do with a great quarterback and having that chip on his shoulder of almost. So there's a lot of these guys that have that almost caliber to them. And yeah, they're kind of up there in age and they're, at the turning point coming off of, off of injuries and stuff. So does that make the the hunger and the gusto and, and the drive to hit the Super Bowl that much harder? And is that going to be the recipe? You know, a bunch of guys who have this almost story come together and play with Tom Brady, who took a team two years ago to Super Bowl. Can he do it again with, with this, with this theme, this pattern of almost. So I, I think, think that's where the veteran presence comes in. It's so interesting that you bring that up, Casey, because I think that's a formula that we have seen sometimes be successful in sports. Most recently here in Tampa with the lightning, I was going to say hockey, they had an older team and they Mm -hmm. went to the Stanley cup final three years in a row, won two banged up championships. Um, And like people said, this is an older team, but they were able to pull it off. And I think that when you look at this team, Jolly Rogers and touchdown fans, two things that you need to be thinking about and cheering for each week, aside from your team, are the trainers, <laughs> because th- that it, it, and the strength coaches, because those are keys to keeping this team healthy. Uh, aside from like freak injuries, uh, mm-hmm. you need, and I know the trainers over there, and and they're great. Um, so I, I'm not worried, but I'm just saying because yeah, it's TB12 impliability. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's go to Armenia for your post workout workout. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Uh, Brady's biggest contribution to the team this year could be keeping the old guys fresh with TB12. Who would have thought? I mean, that might be Avocado joints take people all the way. I have been tortured by the TB12, and I can I can stand yes. for something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I mean, clearly it works. Um, but something interesting, too, that you said, John, was that, like, this is this is their last shot with Brady at the helm, at least. And I think it's something that they really, truly wanted to go all in on. So painting that picture, I'm wondering, do you do you believe in this roster? Is this roster the team that can go out there, get back to the Super Bowl, and take the championship again? I mean, there's nobody in the NFC that's, that's complete. It's not like the AFC at all. If, I, if they were in the AFC, I would say... I think it's going to be a tough road. I, I, I mean, this is a clearly a very good team. I think everybody looks at the Bucks and they say, if they stay healthy, obviously they're going to be a very good team. Like I, it should go without saying, but there are legitimate question marks and they are also just weird vibes. Like there's weird vibes coming off. Maybe, maybe it's from just from the outside. Maybe it's not into the team. At, team Can side you go at deeper into that? What, what do you think <laughs> are the weird vibes? Cause I've, I'm like, I'm not denying that that's true, but I'm yeah. curious from your perspective. There's just, I mean, starting quarterbacks don't leave teams in training camp. Like that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Like it doesn't happen. I don't care. I mean, it's Brady. So yeah, it is different for sure. Um, but it still never doesn't happen. But it's like still that, through it, weird stuff in the atmosphere. It's a little yeah. sus. It's, and the fact that we're still talking about different headlines mm-hmm. of what, who, when, where, and why. Like that's going to carry sure. into the next couple of weeks because people are investigators apparently. Everyone mm-hmm. is Nancy Drew. So and, and I don't even think the team cares. I don't care about the reason why. Like I don't think the team cares. I don't think the team is like – I don't think – when I say vibes, I don't think it's like the team is, oh, frustrated because Brady missed that time. I don't think anybody cares. It's Brady. I literally think Brady could do whatever he wanted there, and they'd be like, oh, it's Tom Brady. Like he can do whatever he wants. He's mm-hmm. earned that respect for the rest of the team. But the reality is he has practiced very little and played very little with the, with a lot of these guys. Russell Gage has been injured. Chris Godwin has been injured. Like those guys haven't really been out there. Tristan Wirfs, did he play at all in the preseason? I mean, he play, barely played in the preseason. Like it was just barely saw him. Ryan Jensen, obviously the heart and soul of the offensive line goes down. Allie Marpet, another heart and soul guy, isn't there right now. There's a lot of weird vibes on that offense right now. Like mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette, was he overweight? Was he not? Does he care? Does he not? Is there beef with him and the coaches? Was there not? Why did it take so long for them to re-sign him? It took forever for them to re-sign mm-hmm. him. Like, and it was clearly he wanted to come back. Like it was just kind of a did they really actually want him or did they look out there and say, it's him or Melvin Gordon and he can't catch. So we're just Yikes. gonna re-sign Lenny. <laughs> like, what's the vibe like with all of these relationships right now? And all this lack of availability that's been over the, I mean, no team in the league, I don't think has been as conservative with their players 
in the preseason is the Bucs. And I don't even hate that. I kind of like it, actually. Like, they've barely played these guys. I'm mm-hmm. watching T.J. Watt play the whole first half for the Steelers. I'm like, what are these guys doing? Like, Getting And the Bucs, you know, to their credit, they're playing guys like, I mean, a, a drive and getting them out. Like, we just mm-hmm. haven't seen the group play that much together. Defensively, I'm not as worried because most of those guys have been healthy and out there together. Offensively, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of changes, new tight ends, and an offense that asks a lot of the tight end position, asks a lot of different things to the tight end position, a quarterback that will ask a lot of the different things to the tight end position, couple new offensive line pieces, guys that are totally inexperienced, now playing with a quarterback that's going to demand a lot of them. You've got Russell Gage. You've got Julio Jones, who thankfully has been healthy and stayed out there. Chris Godwin mm-hmm. is coming back from an injury. I think it in their first four games are tough. I think it could be a little bit of a tough start to the season. I think they will find themselves and they will be one of the best teams in the NFC. They can contend for a Super Bowl. Health, health, health. Like it was what delay. I thought last year they make the Super Bowl if they're healthy. They mm-hmm. weren't. I think this year they make the Super Bowl if they're healthy. I don't know if they will be. They're already not with Ryan Jensen. That's a huge piece. That is a big loss. And kind of, I'm glad that you kind of touched on the offensive line as well as the tight end group, because in terms of maybe not specifically two roster cuts and whoever made this team, but I definitely wanted to pick your brain on this offensive line. And I know there's been a lot of conversation around Luke Hideki and whether he'll be able to really hold up to, you know, playing first string at left guard and kind of how they lined up their depth chart across the offensive line. Um, and then the tight end group, I was not a fan. I thought we needed so much depth. If you would have asked me this question two months ago, and now I kind of have a different perspective on it. So definitely O-line. I'm sure fans would love to know, like, do you have faith in this with Ryan Jensen out? Do you have faith in their depth? Did they need more depth? Do they need veterans? Um, where did you land on this one? Yeah, this is, it's not great right now. Brady can make a lot of things look better. You know, here's the other question. I think everybody knows, everybody watched. Robert Hainsey, I think he's been solid. There are enough issues in the run game at times. Functional play strength is where it needs to be. I don't know the answer to that question yet. It certainly wasn't against the Colts. You know, Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner are two of the best defensive tackles in the league. And mm-hmm. they they destroyed Hainsey and Gadecki. Heyday. Um, not worried about the right side. Uh, with Jack Mason and, and Tristan Wirfs will be fine. Worried about Hainsey to a degree. Definitely worried about get Gedecky. Again, not long term. I like him long term, mm-hmm. but right now it's all about his functional movement skills, strike timing. Those things are like very much still question marks for him, and they have to get better. Otherwise, he's going to get lit up. I mean, he did not the Titans game. He was pretty solid, and those are those are you know, some good players he was playing up against. Then he saw the cream of the crop against the Colts, and he didn't look like he belonged on the field. Like straight up. Yeah. He would have been benched in that game and it continued and it was a real game. Like he would have not have finished that game because mm-hmm. he was that much of a liability. You're going to trot that out there against in week one? I don't know. I mean, week one, it's one of the weakest defensive tackle rooms in the league. Week two, two. week three, week four, week five, week six, you face an all-pro defensive tackle, a pro bowl defensive tackle, at least one, some of those cases, multiple guys who can really play. So there are question marks, but the one nobody's talking about, Donovan Smith has gotten better every year he's been in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that recent growth came when Ryan Jensen was the center and Ali Marpet was next to him playing the best ball of their careers. What happens mm-hmm. when the guys to his two guys to his right fall off? Does that affect him? Because we've seen it affect offensive linemen for years. That chemistry, especially when it comes to passing off stunts and twists and things like that, Ali Marpet was the leader in doing a lot of those things mm-hmm. uh, when he played with Donovan Smith on that side. Luke Gadecki's not going to be that guy. He's going to be looking for Donovan Smith for those pointers. 
he's going to be looking for him for the timing and the communication. Is Smith ready to be that guy? That's a big question mark too. I think he's a really good player, but mm -hmm. there's some question marks even for him going into the season. That's wild. That's great perspective actually too, because I don't think too many people realize how much, I mean, depending on how big you are into, into diving in deep into football, but you know, how much, the offensive line relies on the guy to the left and the right of them. And it's funny because over at Pewter, I think you guys had mentioned a couple of times how it was a debate whether or not Kappa was really that good or whether it was the guys next to him that made him better and, you know, how he would succeed after being with the Bucks. So the offensive line is going to be a huge, huge focal point for week one and kind of stemming off of the offensive line. The next group of guys that have to do some blocking but they get to do some catching so they don't constantly have to have their hand in the dirt and do the baby powder and the towel routine tight ends I was freaking out about them two months ago I was really freaking out not because oh I need Rob Gronkowski back no I needed like anybody and we've talked about tight ends so much you and I John so you know that I like the what we used to call pro style tight ends the real mm. the real guys out there um Kate Otten and, and Coquif surprised me. Uh, what do you think their roles will actually be with this team? And did they surprise you at all? They are the real guys, like you described. They are <laughs> the real tight ends, not these fake tight ends. These Mike Don't DeSecchi give me a tight hybrid ends. tight end, I'll lose it. Yeah, get these Jimmy Graham tight ends out here. No, these guys are the wow. real ones. They put mm -hmm. their hand in the dirt. They block. They move to second level. They block guys. They turn defensive ends out. And they actually legitimately move people in the preseason. I mean, you can't not be encouraged because uh, two things, I think. Mentally, they seem like they knew what they were doing. And physically, they weren't overwhelmed. Those are huge starting points. Are either of them going to make Gronkowski's impact as a receiver? Probably not this year. You know, I mean, Kate Otten maybe down the line. That's, you know, they're not obviously Gronkowski level impact, but maybe he's more of an impactful receiver. Right now, it's a huge question mark, I think, that how much receiving production they're going to get from those spots. But they don't need to be Gronkowski receiving level production. They just don't. That's not – the most important thing is that they don't screw up and that they help in the run game. They can help in pass direction. They know where to be as, as route runners. If they do, they'll catch touchdowns. They'll convert first downs underneath. They'll do those things they need. they got enough weapons all over the field. I'm not worried about the tight end groom anymore either. I'm with you. I, I mean, you know, I mean, you're obviously – you're some degree of worry when you're relying on two rookies and – you know, Kyle Rudolph, he's we not totally know. washed, but he's probably not. He's yeah, probably we still don't know. Washed. He had some yeah, moments in training know. camp where it's like, you're a veteran. What yeah. happened there? And then there's other moments where it's like, oh, Rudolph, yes, squad. And again, he's like, barely played with Brady. So yeah, that, and then that, there's that, that matters. Like that's a big part <laughs> of this. You know, they you look at the, see the COVID season, like they didn't hit their stride until the end of the year. And a lot of it was because players had never played together before were asking, asked to play together a lot. So that's going to be a key factor in this is, is the reps that they get together. It might not look great at the end, at the beginning of the season, but I do have faith that by the end of the season, I don't think we're going to be like, wow, they just, this tight end room's a disaster. It's the reason why they're not having success. I, I think that they'll be okay. Do you think that same thing for the O-line? Do you think that with the reps, with the tough front end of the season, that there could be a stepping up, a learning curve a growth that some of these younger guys or some of the question marks go through that does allow them to have a little bit more success at the end of the season. I hope so, but I don't, I don't feel as confident in that one, Kaylee, to be honest with you. Like I, I think that Hainsey can keep getting better. I think that I can keep getting better, but to what degree, you know, those are just so much more important positions. Uh, the communication at the center position is so important. 
it's hard for me to know from my vantage point where Hainsey's at with all of that. I mean, the guy is just totally in love with football. So is Gadecki, by the way. Those tens of those types of players tend to get better. But I don't know if it's all going to happen this season. I think Gadecki is going to have a rise similar to Kappa, where he was Kappa was unwatchable on a worse offensive line. So Gadecki won't be hopefully that bad. His rookie year, probably average, maybe his second year, a little above average his third year, and then probably pretty close to that level his fourth year as well. So, you know, that that was kind of the rise for him. Maybe get a key ceilings a little bit higher. I, I hoped it I was coming out of the draft a little bit higher than Kappas. We'll see. I think we'll get to the end of the season, and I think we'll still feel like those guys are question marks. If they're both still starting, I think we'll feel like they're question marks. And I'm not convinced that the team won't watch that Colts tape and say, you know what, Nick Leverett might get us killed a couple snaps a game, but five other snaps a game, he's going to kill somebody in the other team because he's crazy. So – they might end up riding with Nick Leverett. I, I don't know. But I think either way, you're going to still have question marks at the end of the season at those spots. Being the idealist, do you think, again, continuing on this path a little bit, do you think that there is – Tom Brady doesn't want to get hurt. He's not going to – he needs his O-line to protect him. And he's not one for stepping down from intense conversations or from saying what needs to be said or from being like straight up pissed off and breaking an iPad on the mm-hmm. sideline of a game. Do you think that there's a, going to be like even more than just getting the reps in like that when Tom Brady's in there, there is going to be a leveling up, like knowing this is our chance. If we're going to do it this year with this guy, I don't know. Sure Again, the idealist sure. in me is, is like wanting to ask that question. Like, That'd I be just awesome. need positive news. We're just waiting. It, sh- it sure didn't happen in the last preseason game on Brady's first drive of the game. You know, I think Gedecki got beat four times probably on the, in pass protection on the first drive. Josh Wells got beat repeatedly, which he's going to be a backup, but and he's probably better on the left side than the right side. And he was playing on the right side in, in that uh, first drive. So, I mean, there were concerns there. Hainsey got beat. Once I think Shaq Mason, Don Smith looked pretty good for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a huge concern on that drive. You know, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Now, Brady gets the ball so quick and makes such mm-hmm. good decisions. It's not going to be like, oh, Brady's going to get sacked 50 times this year. That's not going to happen. What mm-hmm. will happen is Brady will have to take stuff underneath and they'll lose out on chunk plays, which is what they've been the best in the league at because he doesn't have time to throw. And he'll take those plays, they'll gain yards. Like they'll survive those situations and those weaknesses better than most teams in the league would maybe all teams in the league would because of who Tom Brady is as a player, but they will miss out on some of the chunk plays down the field because there just isn't time or ability to hit those because of the way the pass protection looks up front. So does that get better as the year goes on? You can coach around some of that stuff. You can, if, if Hainsey steps up and it's just get you can figure out ways around one link, weak link on the offensive line. If Donovan Smith is handling his business as well. I just don't know whether that's, you know, I think there's enough question marks there to know is that going to be the case. The other thing we're not talking about is Ryan Jensen. Clearly, there is thought that he could come back this season. Well, short How, time IR, yeah, exactly. Because he he's on IR in in a way that would make him allow him to return at some point this season, obviously. And if that happens, he's one of the toughest people in the league. I actually mm-hmm. think he could be a player that hits the ground running because the athleticism, the pain, all that stuff that, that doesn't matter to him. Like he's he's not been like the most amazing athlete or biggest dude his whole career that ain't gonna matter to him like his movement skills like the pain pain. won't matter to him like yeah he just (laughs) that actually might make him better because yeah he thrives off of it apparently so that's a huge factor too if he's back 
I mean, it could you could move Hainsey to guard, you know, even for – he's played there like a little bit. So I think there's a little bit more I hope if Jensen comes back that I feel definitely good enough about their offensive line. That makes sense. I mean, as long as I don't see too much mobile Tom, because I don't – mobile 44-year-old Tom already made my heart stop. Mobile 45-year-old Tom just keep kick me out of the stadium. I can't handle it. I don't want to see it, um, even though it looks cool sometimes. But I guess just one final note when it comes to the offensive line, offense, and roster talk is, is this offensive line going to help this team expand upon their run game as Todd Bowles alluded to months ago? They're supposed to be having a more efficient run game. They're supposed to have a lot more run plays. Can they do that with us offensive line, or does this kind of retract um, that goal that they had heading into this season? I think they can do that. Um, you know, they can continue to build on those things. Last year, they diversified the run scheme so much, and it helped them a lot uh, as a rushing offense, especially in the middle chunks of the season, early to middle chunks of the season. This is always going to be an offense that if they pass the ball often and they pass the ball early on downs, and if they throw the ball more than they run it, it's going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. And, you know, Todd Bowles, I think he's going to be great. If he gets away from what has worked for this team the last couple of years when their offense has been the best in the league, uh, mm-hmm. then you know he's going to be able to look in the mirror and and say he was the problem because there's just no reason to get away from the things that have worked. There's no reason to step in uh, to Byron Leftwich's situation basically and say, hey, we're going to run the ball more on early downs. We're going to run the ball more in these situations. If anything, that's going to put more stress on your offensive line because you're more likely to be in more third and longs when the opposing defense is teeing off and doing what they want. Um, I'm, that's a concern. It's a concern with any defensive-minded head coach, I think, because – they tend, they tend to be, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, they tend to be a little bit less progressive in the way that they think about offensive scheme than they want simplification, um, which should be the other way around because then it helps your defense more if the other team is more predictable, which only happens if you score points on the offensive side of the ball. So mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be one of the keys is seeing how they work out all of that stuff. There's question marks on the coaching side of things too for the Bucks that probably y'all can get into on another pod, just <laughs> question marks. I don't say negative things, I just mean, legit questions last year we knew everybody was the same coming back like this year it's different and so there's going to be some things that will uh, play out on that front too that we won't probably see all those conversations but we'll be able to watch the product on the field and we'll be able to tell that something changed here and there that probably shouldn't have see how it pans out well besides question marks and the excitement surrounding around this team and everything else jolly rogers and touchdowns fans want to know what is your season record prediction how how hard is this team really going to go and respond and put on a show? Oh, man. Uh, this is the worst question to put people on the spot with, too. What's your go-to record now? I think – I mean, I knew you were going to ask this beforehand, but it hasn't helped me. I've been thinking about it since, you know, for the last hour or so. Um, I think that – the I think they're going to be 12 and 5, maybe 11 and 6. But I think they'll be playing their best football toward the end of the season. And I think everybody in the NFC is going to be around that. I don't think there's going to be one team that's like, we're 14-3, like we're cruising, you know. (laughs) I don't think that is going to be the case. So as we put money on it, if they stay healthy, I think they're 12-5. and Um, But I think that if they get banged up, especially at some key positions – yeah, I think yeah. that it could be it could be an eleven and six. It could be a ten and seven type of season. You know, all, honestly though, I, I show me who in the NFC because the Bucks schedule is brutal, and so the regular season schedule might look a little worse for the Bucks. 
But when you get to the playoffs, show me who in the NFC is is more built for it than the Bucs if they're healthy. You know, if everybody right. team's healthy, I don't think there's a team that's more built for it in those situations. They get Jensen back for that portion of the season. Seems, I would guess, likely that he'd mm-hmm. be back for at least that point. Um, if, you know, if they're healthy, I don't know that anybody else is built because the Rams lost some stuff. The Packers are not what they were in, in the past. Neither were the Cowboys even what they were last year. Everybody's hyping up the Eagles. We'll see. Last time oh I checked, God. he needed a difference-making quarterback. I like Jalen Hurts. I don't know <laughs> if he's that guy yet, yet. Um, to get – I mean, to talk about Super Bowl contender, that's what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Um, 49ers, same – like, same – even more of a question at that position. Very you true. Know, Cardinal, Cardinals, we haven't seen Kyle do it in the playoffs yet. Also, plenty of holes on that defense, plenty of question marks. So, definitely – I think that what if the regardless of the record, this team should be very competitive come playoff time. More W's than L's. Um, funny enough that you said five losses, but I was dancing between. We know that I, as harsh as I am, I am uh, the ultimate optimist. So, <laughs> I had four losses, and then I was haunted by the memory of them losing to the Washington Commandos last year. After confidently heading into that game, like there's no way possible they could lose this, and it was possible. Um, so for me, it was, and then, and then I had to drop my expectation a little bit, but I have five losses. So, um, I think that they actually get one win over the saints this season. Somehow I don't have it for week two towards the end of the season when they kind of get <laughs> their feet underneath them a little bit more, they, they finally get that, um, redemption underneath their belt. But yeah, I, I have five losses for the bucks as of right now, Kaylee, where do you stand? Are you I'm, even more optimistic than I am? I don't know. I'm kind of, maybe I'm, I'm teetering between four and five. I do think, however, that they get the win early in the season against the saints. That's Ooh. my bold prediction. Wait and I know. That. Yeah. That'd be that's, awesome. I, know I that. hope you're right. I like being wrong as we, I, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's how it's going to play out. I'm not overly confident in this saints team. And I think that is what pushes me over Saints the got some issues right to now. Say that. They do. So especially after the main news this morning. So you might be yeah. onto something, Kaylee. Yeah. So that's where I'm leaning. So that makes me want to say maybe just four losses. Um, four or five. And but six. again, you never know what can happen. So I don't know. I guess I'm going to be the, I'm going to be idealistic. I'm going to go with what my gut is saying, and I'm going to go just four losses. Um, But to wrap up on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns, we have to do what we always do. We're going to put you on the spot again, John, but we won't make you go first. Oh, we're going to do our walk the plank segment. He said he is or is not going first. Not going first. I don't think. Do you think he should go first? I I can go first. Yeah. Okay. Go first. You're right. Always handing out treasure. We are. We are here to. No doubloons tonight. Okay. John, you're not walking the plank, but you're telling us who is. Okay. So is this a take that I've had that I regret now? Or is that kind of the, the, am I on the right jive with this? Like, but I, you said, I'm not walking the plank. I was prepared for me to be walking the plank here. You can, I had to walk the plank for Kyle Trask and that's still a sour taste. You can like push yourself off the plank if you think you deserve it yeah. but it's but it, i mean it's kind of a, a choose your own adventure um yeah. we have gone in the direction in the past where it's like you are telling someone or something <laughs> or a situation to walk the plank because you're over it so it's just yeah. like get out of here skedaddle oh. walk the plank mm-hmm. oh, okay. go swim so, with the sharks yeah. 
I could put myself on blast here because there's there's a few takes that your boy may not have been uh, spot oh, on about. Okay. Um, but I think game? just I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I can't believe I'm gonna do this. I'm doing this just to wrap Casey up. That's how I'm doing it. I just think the Jalen Darden hate. Let's just get it out of here. Like, Whoa. let this guy live. Let him, let live. him live. Let him return some kicks this year. Let him run. Let him. Let's see what he does. Like he's young. Yeah, he struggled oh, last man. year, but look, there were dudes dropping like flies all around him. Like, yeah, sometimes walking is hard, and he struggled <laughs> with that on kickoffs and punt returns, but. He's you still only learn to do it when you're like three, but <laughs> he, it's still hard. Some people are late bloomers, Casey, and he just is learning on an NFL field. I know that's not ideal, <laughs> but everyone's path is different. And I just say, let this man live, give him oh. peace. Let him see if he can bounce back this season. I, I still I'm think he's a good play. athlete. I don't think he's ever going to be like a top three receiver, but like, could he make a splash player two this season? He gets open. I, I do crop. think he could make like one or two plays this year that people are like, Oh, like kind of like Cyril Grayson did last year. And then maybe he can make one what? or two as a return guy too. I if think he, he can be does that. that. We are sending you a treasure chest. Like I, I'll be here for it. <laughs> I'll send you one. If he doesn't, how about dollar that? bills? Yeah. Oh, we got oh, this yeah. on the record. Okay. On the record. We've got a little Darden face off here. I already took so many L's this training camp. Like Darden has to stay on that list for me. I just can't budge yet. Not ready. But now you're rooting for this man to fail. No, I am being a realist. As in, (laughs) I I do not want to see the cha-cha slide on every kickoff return. Just get the ball and go, buddy. Go. No more. I mean, I was furious with him last season. But I just think there's no hope for redemption. He can't be that bad. He can't be worse. He can't be worse as a return guy. Well, we'll see. He has one job. I get what you're saying. He kind of has like one job. Do well. That's my Do it idea. better. Okay. Um, well, I just took a dive off of the plank as a Dayton Harder, Dorden Harder, Darden Hater. <laughs> I can't even I can't even give him proper credit. You're, you're I'm, trying to my brain's an out more by what just happened here. Yeah. What's the respect Jeez. on this man's name? Oh my I need, gosh. I need to cool off. So I guess I'm taking the plunge. Um my walk the plank. I know last week it was just like, let's let's just be done with the Tom Brady news. And to my dismay, it's continuing um, as everybody just keeps on coming up with storylines. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go with. Crap, guys. I'm really at a loss this time about Maybe who's going to walk the plank. Maybe Actually, no. I got to walk the planker to every human being out there that tried to come after me for Scotty Miller, he made the roster. Walk the plank. You got to take the plunge, the dive, cool yourself off. Whether it was the best move or not the best move, it happened. And I was able to somewhat support the situation. So I got so many messages that day. You would have thought, I don't know what anyone would have thought. I got so many, your honey's made, your honey made the team. There you go. Have that at Casey. And I'm like, I didn't choose this. I didn't sit in a back room with the coaches and Jason Light and say, make this happen. It, it happened. So, yep. All the Scotty Miller haters walk it like you talk it off the plank. You go. Well, they did Love certainly talk. It. I have to, before, before I go down the plank hole board uh i do have to give casey a shout out because she's been very hot on co-keith and mm-hmm. i was real. i uh, rightly so clearly year. um and i just think that 
I was really impressed by him. Um, and then I just wanted to mention, I'm also super happy that Keyshawn Vaughn made the cut because oh, yeah, I was, on him. I was really impressed with what he was able to do and with his fight and his will. So, uh, they get some doubloons, Casey, oh. add it to your treasure chest that you can Thank send you. over. Well, maybe send over to John at the end of the season. Um, you don't think dead body. No, I'm kidding. I'll uh, send it. If I have to, I'll send if it. If you have to, for me, I, I don't know if there's anything that really frustrated me this week. I'm kind of also at a loss like you, Casey. I don't know if there's something that I don't, I don't know. I've got I, one for Trask fans. No, I'm kidding. Let's not go back there. <laughs> maybe maybe so everyone who thought he should have been QB two. No, okay. You know what? I do have one. I do have one. And it's not because I don't love college football. Casey mm-hmm. already like revealed the fact that I'm a Gator and yes. I love college football, like live, breathe and die college football. My husband on the other hand is like more into pro sports. And Mm -hmm. he has gotten me on the train of pro sports. So walk the plank to any college football fan that is like, screw the NFL or that doesn't like think the NFL is worth anything because as much as I love the passion and the excitement of a college football game, there is nothing better than the strategy and the chess match of watching the most elite athletes in the world go at it so college football enjoy this weekend (laughs) enjoy your fandom enjoy your passion i will too go gators oh but let's be real the nfl is the nfl for a reason they own a day of the week these are the best of the best and it's it's better it's just a better product and He's you're not, hearing that from somebody who has trans- I love transformed into this person. I love so. college football. But if you're talking about athleticism, the NFL is a better product. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that the NFL is always more fun. College football has some crazy things that happen in it. But I mean, so does the NFL. I don't know. Maybe I'm walking myself off the plank with that. I don't know. <laughs> but if you, it, the point is, if you are so big into college football that you don't give the NFL a shot, or that you're wow. like brush it away, then like walk the plank because big one. That there's a lot, there's a lot that the NFL has to offer, and it's the best strategy and strategic chess match that you can get. There's no strategy in college football; it's just athleticism. <laughs> I'll stand by that take. I'll stand by that. I would have asked more questions if if our time if our time clock wasn't going down. But I love the fact that you had a. Um, a whole new take on walk the plank every time you just give me the, the, the best surprises. So uh, college football fans that cannot translate their love to the NFL, you're walking it like you talk it. Scotty Miller haters. Goodbye. And I guess myself along with the Jalen Darden crew are Get in the water, Casey. for a swim. Get Thank the God water. I love the water. Bye-bye. I'll be there quite the often this season. So, all right, I guess. Thank you, John, so much for joining us. Um, couldn't 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 appreciate this enough you already know that i hold your your takes your analysts um you as a human being to the highest to the highest status so this is so cool to be able to have you over here at jolly rogers and touchdowns and um also be able to do it kaylee this was awesome 
Thank yeah. you so much, John. Tell fans where they can find you. Mm-hmm. Well, you can find me retired on Twitter <laughs> at Ledyard, <laughs> at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL Draft. Uh, yeah, still not doing anything. I uh, left Biz a while back, and so uh, still watching every game. And I'm not going to lie, all 22 of every game. And uh, yeah, I'll just keep continue to study these teams just because I love the sport and love the game. And I'll be on pods and bouncing around and who knows, maybe in a couple weeks, I'll be like, you know what? I got to scratch this itch. I'll pick it up as a hobby and start a sub stack or something like that again, just on, on the side, you know, but uh, pumped to see what you both are doing. This is awesome. Uh, more great Bucks content. Every Bucks fan, fan should be following and should be listening uh, consistently, especially throughout the season, because it's going to be an exciting one. So appreciate you both and really uh, just grateful for you having me on. John, thank you so much. Fans, this has been Jolly Rogers in Touchdowns with our special guest. Please follow me, Kaylee Mizell, at Kaylee Mizell on social channels. Casey Hudson is at the Sports Case, K A S E. You can find our podcast on Apple and Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. We will be coming out with new episodes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, starting the week of September 12th. That is right after the Bucks' first game. So be sure to hit that subscribe button so that those new episodes roll right into your account. And then, of course, for all your sports news, download the Odyssey app. Thank you all for listening. This has been Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns.